welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Tool Shed. This is episode 138 of the Fantrax Tool Shed with Clegg and Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have another fun episode in store today. We are one day, well, technically two days when we're recording this, but when you listen to this, one day before the MLB trade deadline, already got one big move that went down uh, yesterday. We'll get into all of that, and with me to break it all down, plus a lot more prospect and dynasty stuff, of course, is my 80 Craig co-host, Mr. Chris Clegg, coming to you from some remote island in the South Atlantic. <laughs> Chris, how's it going, bud? That's good. Uh, yeah, we're getting settled in at the beach on vacation, recording it on vacation as well, so it's fun. Been busy. Uh, this kind of wraps up the summer of busyness for me, so yeah, I'm looking forward to kind of chilling out some this week and... uh yeah, getting back to a normal schedule next week, I guess it'll be be kind of nice. Yeah, it definitely looks like Chris is on vacation. Like the room he's in, it's just like full of like nautical stuff. It says <laughs> there's a sign that says what I think Sea Breeze Cove or something, yeah, Mermaid Cove. Yeah. Oh, Mermaid Cove. It was kind of hard. <laughs> I saw the cove part, the top one was hard to see. But yeah, you definitely look like you're on vacation. And what is that on over your right shoulder on that table? What's that like honeycomb looking thing? That's a good question. I have no clue what that is. <laughs> it looks like a giant like beehive or something. <laughs> Very interesting. But huh. All right. But uh yeah, so we had a lot a lot to get to today. A lot of fun players and topics we got on the docket. Before we do the usual housekeeping, you can find us on Twitter. Chris is at Roto Clay. I'm Aircross04, and our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy this podcast, please write and review. Check out our Patreon for extra content from both of us. And, you know, this time of year, obviously midseason, you know, all of our dynasty and prospect ranking updates. We give uh, early looks to our Patreon subscribers. You know, we drop them in a few days before, you know, top 100 here, top 200 there. Give them early looks. And also we have our our, our 70 grade tier. You can look at, look at our rankings live. Like we update them at least weekly, sometimes multiple times a week. So you can see all those updates live from the wait for early looks or you know the live hq updates so those are always a, one of the fun little perks we have on our patreon so check that out and of course check out all the other great work from the entire team over at fantrax hq including our fantasy football draft kits and our new fantasy football podcast the flies check that out as well all right let's get right into it chris let's start with two of the hottest hitters in baseball by a absolute mile aaron judge Austin Riley. Let's start with Aaron Judge, who, you know, every I keep tweeting about Aaron Judge, you know, his home run pace. And then every time I do, like next few days later, that pace has already gone up because he just continues to hit home run after home run after home run. He's up to 42 now. I think he's on pace for like 64 or something like that. In addition to the 42 home runs, slashing 297, 383, 671. He has 10 steals, too, which kind of surprised me that he has 10 steals. 91 RBI, 87 runs scored. So he's on pace for like 120 runs, 125, 130 RBI, 
14, 15 steals, along with that great triple slash line. But he is 30 years old. That's not obviously super old, but you know, a little bit older than most of the you know the top guys when you look at dynasty rankings. But with how he's performed this year and how he's really been for the last, you know, even last year was a great year for him as well. Is it time that we consider him a top 15 dynasty asset, Chris? Yeah, I think so. I'm my concern is that obviously a contract year he's out to prove his worth. And so he's just absolutely dominating. And the fear is that, you know, he signed somewhere else and maybe he struggles in the first year of big contract. We we see that quite often, but you can't deny his performance and he's definitely worthy of that. And when he's been healthy in the past, he's he's performed at a high level pretty consistently. Obviously not to this extreme, but he's still been a you know super high level performer when he's been on the field. You know, everything completely backs up what he's doing. Obviously under the hood, like everything is is really, really good. It's just kind of ridiculous what he's doing. It'd be kind of crazy if he just went on a huge tear and ended up, you know, breaking the single season home run record. Could be tough, but yeah, you never know. It'd be uh be fun to see for sure. But yeah, you mentioned the 10 stolen bases is kind of a crazy addition for you know someone that big and that size as well. Like it's kind of just kind of crazy that he's been this good all season. So yeah, I, I think he's worthy of a top 15 spot at this point. You know, hitting for good average in an OBP league as well. I mean, he's always been a, a really high OBP type guy. So yeah, I don't I don't see why not. It's hard, hard not to with how he's performing at this point. Yeah, I moved him. He was already 18th in my last update, so it was like he was far off. I moved him up to f- right at this very second. This might change by the time you listen to this. I have him 14, right behind Devers is 13th, Vladdy Jr. 12th, Witt 11, and Jordan 10. I guess he's bumping him maybe ahead of you – know, Devers has been really damn good as well, and he's also about four and a half years younger. And we get Vladdy and Bo or you know, eight, nine years younger, so – I don't know. If Judge was like 27, I think he'd be top 10 right now. I think you have to put him right up there where we have Jordan and Harper and all them back in top 10. We expect that he's 30. Again, that's not super old, but that's kind of the reason why he's not top 10 for me. I, I think he definitely could be, but you know, top 15 I think is definitely fair, especially with all the you know, good the, the last uh, – I'm looking at stats right now. From my last update for Dynasty Records, which was June 22nd, so you know, about five weeks ago or so, he has 17 home runs and five steals over the last uh, was it, like 40 days or so. He had more home runs than half of the major league teams this past month. It was just ridiculous what Aaron Judge is doing every night. And, oh, there's another one. Oh, there's another two. So, yeah, I think top 15 is very fair. I mean, with Austin Riley, it's funny. You know, everyone's talking about Judge, but Riley was actually technically a better hitter this past month. The month of July, Riley of the major leagues and like, Woba and average and slug. He was second to, in on base to Soto, of course. Uh, I think he led in like WRC plus. Like, all these categories, he was ahead of um, Judge and and he's another one that has. I think he had 11 home runs in the month of July. Overall, 29 home runs, 68 RBI, 61 runs, 301, 360, 604 slash line. His quality of contact has gotten even better than it already was, which was very good last year. He's up to a 17.5% barrel rate, 93.8 exit velocity, 514 x Wobicon, 55.6 hard hit rate. His walk and strikeout rate have basically stayed the same from last year, only minor up and down there. He's kind of settling in as like a 25% K rate guy, 78% walk rate. You know, those aren't great, but they're fine. 
especially with his quality of contact, I think he has to be considered top 25 now as a potential, you know, I think he's going to be a 280 guy, you know, moving forward. I thought maybe, all right, still 260, 270, but now he's shown that he can hit for a higher average than that. 280, 290, I think is very reasonable with 35 to 40 home runs and, you know, a bunch of runs in RBI, 100 and 100. Won't provide any steals, but I got him 22nd right now, right behind uh, Manny Machado. How high do you have Austin Riley in your rankings, Chris? Yeah, he certainly pushes top 20. I'm not sure exactly where he'll slot in yet, but I mean, it's hard to argue with the results, and he had a really bad May as well, and he's still hitting 300 on the year, 29 home runs, as you mentioned. Like Everything looks extremely good. He's hitting the ball harder than ever. I mean, his average exit velocity is up nearly four miles an hour from last year, which is highly impressive considering the year he had last year at that. And, you know, hits the ball hard, hits plenty of line drives. So it's no surprise that he hits for a high average. He's not putting the ball on the ground a lot at all. So, he, you know, when he's not hitting home runs, he's still getting on base. He has a ton of doubles, you know, largely thanks to just that, that gap-to-gap power. Plus, when he just lifts it, it's getting out of the park quick. Um he just keeps producing. He's 25 years old, and you know it's hard to see him really slowing down at this point because this is now the second straight year of what we've seen, and it's just everything looks so legit with him. So do I think he's a 300 hitter first career? Probably not, but I think you know even if he's a 280 hitter with the kind of power that he has, like you know it's more than reasonable. It's going to play like Riley should be in the mix of the MVP discussion right now, in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. And he's actually hitting 280 for his career on the dot. Yeah. And that's in 1,601 plate appearances. So that's not a uh, small sample size anymore. And yeah, like you look at the zone contact rate's gone up a little bit this year, up to 81.1, which is right around league average. You know, whiff rate is kind of settled in around 28%, which is a little below league average, but not bad whatsoever. Like you mentioned, he's, you know, puts the ball in the air, a lot of line drives, a lot of fly balls. Gromba rates are only about 34.5%. So, yeah, definitely a lot of good things there. And I, I know you can never really ease the uh, loss of Freddie Freeman, but Riley's trying to help the loss oh, yeah. of Freddie. And with him and, and you know, Acuna has to be a really good middle of the lineup for a long time. All right. But one guy that's right behind him, literally one spot behind him right now, and hopefully, I think that'll stay uh, for tomorrow's update. Mike Trout, I now have at 23. Obviously, Mike Trout is a Hall of Fame talent. He's one of the best hitters we, I've ever seen, probably the best hitter I've ever seen personally. It's him or Bonds, probably, or Pujols before Pujols became bad. Um, but Trout has a, I forget what it was called, it was some long, fancy word that I can't say. If you want more info about it, uh, Dr. Jesse Morse did a great video breakdown of it from the Fantasy Doctors. And then Nick Savali as well, who does injury stuff, both writing and uh, podcasting for us here at Fantrax HQ. He did a, in a uh, podcast on it, so it was great breakdown. Check that out if you want to get more details from people that actually know what they're talking about. But basically, he has a chronic back issue with like ligaments connecting the ribs to the spine. That's basically what it is. You're going to have to deal with that, get cortisone injections, You know, a lot of management of that throughout his career. Trout's on the wrong side of 30 now. Obviously, the talent's there, but you got to wonder, is, is he able to play a full season anymore or even get to 140 games anymore? It feels like a guy that's going to be you know, missing you know, at least 20, 30 games a year, maybe more, doesn't, really, doesn't run anymore. 
over 30. So is he still top 20 for you, Chris, or is he warrant a bump a little bit further down? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, today they said that he's going to, you know, ramp back up activities on Wednesday. He'll start rotational exercises on Wednesday and he hopes to play soon. So, you know, it's kind of a dramatic twist, but yeah, I listened to uh, Nick's podcast about it and he broke it down really good. The, the reality is like, this is something that's not going to go away injury wise, but it also probably helps explain some of the previous, you know, back issues that he's had, I guess. So it's tough. I mean, is this just going to be something that you know, kind of flares up constantly? It, it's possible. So you're right. It does limit the amount of games he's going to play during the season. And that certainly matters. Like if we can't rely on him for 130 games consistently, then I don't think you can have him ranked in the top 25, which is tough because the talent level is still there, in my opinion. There's there's no doubt in my mind he's still the best player in baseball, but you do have to factor this in from a fantasy standpoint. So, ah, man, I'm I'm torn, but I think he's outside the top 25 at this point. Yeah, I might even move down a few spots lower. Would you rather have him or Austin Riley right now? I mean, Riley, because Riley's proved to be a picture of health. And he's just been dominating. So, all right. How about Trout or Ooh, let's go Pete Alonzo? Huh. That's probably a good range. Um, is I Pete Alonzo 25 right now? <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably a good spot for him right around there. Uh, it I'm depends a... on position, I guess, positional yeah. need, but. For sure. Let's do let's do one more. There's no other outfielders in this range, unfortunately. Uh <laughs> is Mookie Betts is up at nineteen, and then my next outfielder below that is wow, Corbin Carroll at forty one. So oh, <laughs> can't really use outfield for at least from in my rankings. So a hitter, a little bit older, but tearing to cover off the ball. How about Trout or Freddie Freeman? Uh probably lean Freeman because Freeman's just consistently healthy and like you said, constantly hitting. He's he's trout, but he stays healthy. <laughs> that's that's very fair. You look at I said over that same period, so his last 152 plate appearances, Freeman slashing 366, 434, 656, nine home runs, three steals, 10.5% walk rate, 13.8% K rate. So a little bit of a not a bad start, but kind of like a sluggish, lackluster start to his uh, Dodger tenure. But he's turned back into Freddie Freeman, which is not surprising whatsoever. All right, let's move over to, you know, a not so elite guy, but someone that's having a very, very good last couple of months. That's Jose Miranda, who I tweeted out not too long ago that I think he and Torque could be very similar long term. And I don't think they get valued as such. I think obviously people think that Torque is, you know, a lot better than Miranda, but I think they're both similar guys. I think they'll be a little more average for Miranda, a little more power for Torkelson. But if you look over the last, since the start of June, Miranda has been one of the best hitters in baseball. He doesn't get talked about nearly enough. So since the beginning of June, 146 plate appearances, he's slashing 331, 377, 544, seven home runs, 31 RBI, 398 Woba, 162 WRC+. And basically everything I just said leads the twins outside of the home runs, but he's, you know, hitting for power, racing for average, you know, a lot of the metrics on Savant, they don't jump off the page at you, but solid quality of contact metrics, 42.5% hard hit rate. Doesn't walk a time. Doesn't strike out much at all. either. 19.3% K rate. 
is it time to start giving Miranda some love? Maybe top 100 soon, Chris? I think so. I mean, he's been extremely good, as you mentioned. And, you know, his first stint in the majors was not what we really hoped for. And then he just really picked it up as we've moved on. So, you know, May was kind of meh. But then, you know, since June 1st, 331 average, 377 OBP, 544 slug, sub 20% K rate, seven home runs over 146 plate appearances. It's like that, those kind of numbers are going to play. And you mentioned kind of the average EVs and stuff not being great, but that's also picked up as he's progressed. And I think this is just kind of what you should have expect out of these kind of players that come up and debut. They're not going to light the world on fire immediately when you're a young you know, hitter making your major league debut. It's, it's not easy. I mean, we saw the bumps with Julio Rodriguez and Bobby Witt early in the season, and now, you know, look at him now. So I'm 100% on board with Miranda. I think that he's still a really good buy right now because if you look at the overall line, it's okay, but it's not like wow you. But as I mentioned, the last since June 1st, the last two months, he's been extremely good. The contact has been there too, even even over you know the whole course of the season. He's made good contacts. Got ninety percent zone contact, eighty percent overall contact, and I think that's improved as well over the pull that up over the last couple of months as well. Yeah, I mean those numbers are there too. So you you can't argue with the results. And this is a bat who really popped off last year, and he showed us who he was, and he's just continuing that. So I'm a hundred percent on board. And you're right. I think he's got to be a top one hundred dynasty guy. All right, five years out. How are we drafting these three? Miranda, Torque, Vinny P. They're all very close. So. Aren't they? Yeah, I know. It's tough. <sighs> that is tough. Um, I think I lean Vinny P. Yeah, I'd say he probably has the most upside from just a contact and power standpoint, but Miranda could push that. I think Miranda has less power, but both – both those guys are going to beat torque and average in my opinion at this point, like the contact Agreed. skills have proved to be much yep. better. Vinny just hits the ball so much harder than Miranda, which probably gives him the edge slightly, but man, that's a, those are three interesting names to put together. Yeah. I think right now I'd say Vinny Miranda torque. It's all very close. I think if torque wasn't in Comerica, I might put torque second, but I do think Comerica's going to steal like five, six home runs from him a year. We've seen it happen, like Tassianos, Javi Baez, you know, what goes on and on. So I think they've only had like five people hit 30 home runs this uh, this century. And I think Michael Cabrera accounted for a lot of that. I think like Prince Fielder was in there. Justin Upton had a year in there, but it's just not a lot of power. Obviously, Detroit hasn't been the greatest team over the last 20 years, so – that obviously factors in as well. But yeah, I, I don't know if Torx would be more than like a 25 homer guy right now. And I think Miranda can be another 15, 20 points on average and probably low 20 home runs. So I think the power will be that far off from Torx. All right, let's move over to a trio of pitchers here. Two young guys that are trending up. One little bit older guy trending down recently. I'll start with the young guns here. Nick Lodolo, Cincinnati Reds, Reed Detmers from the Los Angeles Angels. Let's start with Reed Detmers here. He went again today on the 31st, and it was absolutely just dazzled. You know, facing the Texas Rangers, went seven innings, three hits, one earned, three walks, 12 Ks. Look at really in the month of July, he has a 113 ERA, 
over 24 innings, four starts, nine walks to 31 strikeouts. You know, Detmers obviously he had the the no hitter earlier this year, but really the the metrics and the overall stats just weren't you know weren't anything to write home about. Even after this last start, his ERA right now is 3.62. WHIP is pretty solid at 1.05, but the K rate was a lot lower than I think anyone would have expected given his minor league rec, uh, track record with strikeouts. But taking up taking up lately, of course, like I mentioned, 12 Ks uh, in this last start, 31 in his last four starts. Yes, he has at least six strikeouts in each of his last six starts, getting back to his start against the Dodgers on June 15th. So really looking a lot better uh, of late. And I'm not surprised the carrot t- ticking out, but he always has some pretty good swing and miss stuff. You know, walk rate's a bit higher um, at 8.9%, but that's not bad at all. So what are your thoughts here on Reed Detmers, Chris, and how high do you think you can see him you know, rising in terms of starting pitcher rankings for Dynasty? Do you think he could be like a – a top 40 guy or something like that yeah it's possible i think the demotion probably did him some good he's you know kind of toning his pitch mix a bit and he's cut the four seam usage in april this year the the four seam usage was 51.3 percent and this past month over july was 41.3 so he's cut that you know 10 percentage points is pretty notable and he's up the slider usage significantly also it was you know 16.9 percent in june April was 19.1, May was 14.1, and this past month was 33% usage there. And a lot of the strikeouts came on the slider at a 120 batting average against, which is pretty notable. So I think that's something to watch. Like, will he keep throwing those pitch, that pitch more at least in the four seam less? I certainly hope so because those have been encouraging signs to see from him. You know, really, you know, he saw what didn't work. He got a chance to work on it a little bit once he got demoted, and you know he comes back up and has been dominating. So you, know, you can't really argue against what he's done. You mentioned the game today as we're recording this where he was you know, downright nasty. He pitched really well against the Braves in his last outing. You know, three hit, no run, over five innings with six Ks. The Astros were before that, six innings, two earned. So the opponents haven't been easy. And the Orioles were his other start this month, and it, you, know, you can scoff at the Orioles, but they've been really good. Yeah. So he's faced pretty good competition this month and he's just been stellar. So it seems to me that he's figuring something out with the pitch mix. And that's really been the reason that, you know, Demers has, has really taken off. Lodolo's an interesting one, though. He hasn't changed much at all. Like still similar pitch mix. He is mixing the curve a little more this month since he came back. But you just have to wonder if it was a case for him, obviously, where you know he came back from injury. And just kind of settle in. Like he, we know that he's a good pitcher. There was no denying that. And it's been, you know, really fun to see this month as he's come back and been strong. There's been some ups and downs with him. Hasn't been nearly as dominant as Detmers, but still pretty good this month. He's had a 3-4-2 ERA this month, 35 Ks in 23 innings. Like those are pretty big numbers for a pitcher like Lodolo. So those are encouraging signs as well. Yeah, Lodolo, you know, even before he started, you know, these last two starts where he's pitched a lot better, looked at his strikeout rate and strikeout minus walk rate ranking among the league leaders. Like, you look at guys that pitched at least 30 innings. I took out relievers. So this is just starters. Uh, those, this includes his last two, but he is, where was he, 16th in strikeout minus walk rate at 21.4%. And in K rate, he's 11th, 30.5%. He's right in the middle of, Guys like Rodone, Woodruff, Peralta, Snell, uh, even better than his teammate Hunter Green uh, in, in both regards in terms of strikeout rate and walk rate. So 
he's always had that stuff. He's always shown pretty solid command and control, you know, through his time at TCU and then um, minor leagues as well. So, yeah, I like Lodolo a lot. I like Detmers too. I think I would rather invest in Lodolo right now, but I think both are going to be good. You know, maybe they'll never be like SP2s for fantasy, but I can see them getting up at SP3, SP4 range, something like that. Do you like Lodolo more than Hunter Green, Chris? Are you still green over Lodolo? Yeah, I think I do. I think that Green's just going to have issues with the fastball. You know, just obviously he can groove it, but he does leave it over the plate a good bit and it's not good pitch shape to it. I think it's going to just kind of hurt him. The guys that can catch up to it at this level, you know, it's going to bite him. And I think I'd rather have Lodolo. I would agree with that. Yeah, I have Lodolo ahead of my ranking. I think it's still close, but you know, Green reminds me of kind of like early career Noah Syndergaard before he figured it out, where he was just like electric, but was more of a thrower than a pitcher. That's kind of where I, I have Green right now. Like the stuff is there. You know, all the building blocks are there to be a very good major league arm, but he just has to figure out, you know, how to mix his pitches better, just turn into a pitcher more than just, hey, I'm going to go up there, throw 102, you know. Good hitters will turn that around. It doesn't matter if you throw 104. They will turn that around if you don't place it right and it's not good shape to it. So, yeah, I think there's still a lot to be figured out with Hunter Green, and Lodolo seems to be figuring that out a little quicker. He might not be as electric, but I can see Lodolo have a, a very good career for a very long time. He, he's got, he's a 6'6 lefty, too. He always like that. I don't think he was 6'6, but yeah, 6'6, 205, uh, according to Savant here. So, But moving over to the other arm that's not doing so well, Nathan Eovaldi, part of a Red Sox starting rotation that did not get a single win in the month of July. Yes, not a single win in the month of July. That just makes me want to go in a corner and cry myself to sleep. But anyway, Evaldi, I tweeted out the other day that Evaldi's velocity last year was 96.8 miles per hour. April and May, 96.8, 96.8. All right, good. May, 95.7, and then... June 94.3. So it's really plummeted the last couple of months, and he just has not been good. Look at his uh, game logs here. You know, after he had a good start, a couple starts in June, he went on the shelf, came back, three earned runs and four and a third, nine earned runs and two and two thirds in that infamous 20, what did we give up? 27 runs, 28 runs, whatever. Yeah, he was the starter of that game. And then last time out, four earns in six innings, and he's not striking anybody out. Eight. Strikeouts combined his last three starts, spanning 13 innings. How worried are you about Eovaldi, Chris? Do you think this is maybe he still hurts or I don't know? What are your thoughts on Eovaldi right now moving forward? Yeah, you have to wonder with the velo dip if he is hurt. And it seems like it's a real possibility. It's hard to say for sure, but the results certainly aren't there. I mean, he's been atrocious this month. Like you can't start him. Cause he's been so bad. He had an 11 ERA over the last month. I know a lot of that was from that one start, but it, the rest of his starts hadn't been good either. So I don't know. I'm uh, kind of at a loss with what to do with him other than just kind of sit him for now. And if it continues down this path, then he may be a cut candidate. He's had a very weird year. Like his ERA was 251 through April. That's pretty good. His ERA in May was 502. He's still striking some guys out, but he also had a, a nine run, only six earned in uh, inning and two thirds against Houston. But overall, still had the strikeouts there. And then his two starts in June were actually pretty good. Eleven earned run, or excuse me, eleven innings combined, zero earned runs, one walk, thirteen Ks. 
And then obviously July, he's just been terrible against Yankees, Toronto, and the Cleveland Guardians without any really any strikeouts to show for it. So yeah, I'm I'm definitely so concerned that velocity dip really concerns me. Uh, I, th- I think yeah, definitely if you have him, just bench him right now. I wouldn't drop him yet, but you get another couple of starts here, and he's still looking really bad, and the velocity is still down. Yeah, maybe it might be time to cut and redraft uh, in shallower leagues. Maybe not 15 teamers, but like 10 or 12s. I can see cutting him. Dynasties, I think he's just kind of a hold to see uh, what he can do. Unless someone gives you a good uh, return for him, they're not worried about this, you know, the recent track record. Fine, I could trade him, but I think he's really a hold right now to see if he can regain some of that value. Because I think he still could be a pretty solid arm. Like, he's been pretty good over the last couple of years. So, But that velocity is very concerning, that's for sure. All right, let's take a quick break to get a word from our sponsors, and we will be right back. All right, support for Fantrax Toolshed is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the performance package join over 5 million men worldwide who trust manscape with this exclusive offer for you 20% off and free worldwide shipping using the code toolshed at manscaped.com. The performance 4.0 package by manscaped has arrived and oh man, it is a game changer inside this package. You will find their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker, ear, nose and hair trimmer, crop preserver, ball deodorant, crop reviver, toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold all your goodies. First off, the Lawnmower 4.0 is the future of grooming, and dare I say, the greatest ball trimmer ever. I am blown away by the performance and craftsmanship of this trimmer. This trimmer features cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. Lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof and also has a 400K LED spotlight you need for your more precise shaves. Because this trimmer is waterproof, you can say goodbye to the mess on the bathroom floor. You thought that was good, but Manscaped takes your grooming even further. The Performance 4.0 package also includes the Weed Whacker ear, nose, and hair trimmer. It's also waterproof. has the proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps reduce nicks, snags, tugs, and those delicate nose holes. Crop Preserver Below the Waist Deodorant and Crop Reviver Below the Waist Toner will also change the way you approach your daily hygiene routine. Manscaped even throws in two free gifts for you. The Manscaped boxers and the shed travel bag. Bring your comfort and boxers to another level. It's time to take care of yourself, so go to manscaped.com and get 20% off, plus free shipping using the code TOOLSHED. That's right, get 20% off, free worldwide shipping with the code TOOLSHED at manscaped.com. All right, welcome back from the break. Let's talk about the first big trade of the deadline season to go down the other day. The Seattle Mariners acquired Luis Castillo from Cincinnati in exchange for Noelvi Marte, Edwin Arroyo, Levi Stout, and Andrew Moore, four prospects there. I think overall, looking at that deal, there's a lot of good come up from this deal. I think that's good for Luis Castillo, obviously getting out of Great American Ballpark, going to Seattle. I think that's a great move for his value. And then same thing with Noelvi Marte and Edwin Arroyo. And these are two guys that have been surging lately. You know, Royo has been steadily climbing all season, kind of breaking out in this little power speed blend down in the low minors, uh, where he's in low A Modesto right now in the California League, slashing 316, 385, 5, 
Oh, excuse me, 514, 19 doubles, 7 triples, 13 home runs, 21 steals, been caught four times. So he's pushing top 50 for me now. And then Noel V, after kind of, you know, lackluster first couple of months, has really turned it on of late. He's now up to 275, 363, 462, 19 doubles, 15 home runs, and 13 steals. So getting them into Cincinnati's org, I think there's a little, lot less competition there. You know, obviously, I don't know how this could work out because obviously they have Ellie De La Cruz, Matt McLean. I don't, I'm not really worried about that. I think Noel V moves off. I don't know where he moves to, maybe third, left, second. I'm not quite sure. I don't think he plays short, but we'll see. Arroyo could. A lot of good there, but I like this move all the way around in terms of the, the big three names here, Castillo, Noel V, and Arroyo. What, what were your initial thoughts on this trade, Chris, and all the uh, players involved? Yeah, I was a bit surprised that they sent that big of a package over for Castillo. And I think that I guess they knew they had to. They were going to get beaten out in other deals if they didn't. And they had to make the move to kind of set the starting pitcher market. And they were willing to do that. So, I mean, those are it's a solid group that went over there. I wonder if it speaks to how the Mariners feel about, you know, like Arroyo. I don't know. I'm just kind of thinking out loud, but obviously we know Noel V can be an elite prospect. Arroyo's been really good this year. Cole Stout's a solid pitcher as well. But I, people ask, like, where do they fit in? Uh, I wouldn't worry about that. None of mm. none of them are really pure shortstops. Like, McLean is okay. Ellie's you know, likely to move. Arroyo can move. Noelvi can move. Yeah, I would say Noelvi's probably more of a surefire third baseman, but, you know, I don't know. I mean, are they going to stick Ellie over it? Second base? I don't really know either. That's a question mark. But it's not like it always plays itself out. So I'm not particularly worried about that. But the bats are good. Obviously, the move to Great American Small Park is is really good for the bats. And I think it's a good move for Castillo as well from a dynasty standpoint. I have to think his stock goes up. Getting out of that hitter's ballpark is pretty big for him and going to more of a pitcher's ballpark. I think he'll he's in a good spot now to succeed. Obviously, Castillo's been really good after a Kind of rough start. So I think it's a good move all around. It was a good trade for both teams. And for everybody's fantasy value, I would say it increased. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. You look at because he's actually been better over his career at home than on the road, which is odd. But this year, I believe that flip flop. So, yeah, I think that's definitely a, a net positive for Castillo. I think he's back in like that SP2 range, mid to back in SP2 for sure. Yeah, I love getting. Marte and Arroyo potentially into Great American Ballpark. Yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly about don't worry about the positioning yet. You know, one thing, I think Ellie stays on the left side of the infield. I don't know which spot, but moving his arm to the right side of the infield would just be an absolute waste. So I feel like he stays over there. Just I don't know. I'm just speculating right now, but yeah, still plenty of time. Marte is two years away, or at least a year and a half away. Arroyo is two, two and a half years away. Ellie's still a year away, so still plenty of time to figure that out. So, and Levi Stout, you know, I don't, Pipeline had him really high. I'm not quite as high on him. I think he's more like a back end starter, but that, that was a solid third piece there to get. He's had kind of a rough year in Double A Arkansas. He's 24 years old, Double A Arkansas, 528 ERA, 131 WHIP. But last year, 331 ERA between High A and Double A. So I think he's a solid back end arm. Just a nice little. Yeah, third piece to get there for the uh, Cincinnati Reds. So nice deal all the way around, uh, absolutely. Uh, next on the dock here, Josh Young is 
finally back after having the shoulder issue surgery that put him out for what's this, about four months or so now. You know, he was maybe going to be up by now, maybe earlier on this year in April or May, but had to be delayed because of that shoulder injury he suffered back in spring training. But thankfully, he's back now. Great little buying opportunity here because I think people forget how good Josh Young can be. Obviously, with the shoulder, we'll see how that affects his power. Hopefully, not a lot. But this was a guy that was pushing top 10, I think, for both of us before the injury because his advanced hit, you know, he's a plus hitter, above average to plus power. You know, not a lot of speed there, but a guy that could be like a 280, 290 hitter, 25 to 30 home runs down there in Texas, maybe even adding a little bit of speed. So, I think people forgot how good he is. I think right now is a great time to still try to buy low before people remember how good Josh Young can be at the plate. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the field hits really good. I guess the question is what kind of power does he get to? But, you know, we already saw him hit a home run in the return from complex. I think the shoulder does kind of, you know, put that in question a bit. But I think he gets a plus game power. I don't see what's holding him back from that. And we know that he can hit for average. I mean, last year the power really came out. It was 19 home runs and honestly a, a smaller sample between triple A. So it is highly possible that he is a 25 home run bat. And I think that, you know, he was pushing top 10 status for prospects and the injury obviously kind of affected that. So I agree. I think you can get him at a reasonable price. He'll be probably flying through the system if I guess. And I think that he debuts probably by the end of the season. Yeah, I think so. I think they give him a little bit of time, and then maybe he's there, you know, starting through their baseman next year. We'll see. I, I just came across this tweet, uh, to be a quote from Austin Riley, which I wish I would have seen earlier. Uh, I don't know when he said this or where he said it, but came across my Facebook feed. says, I crush the ball and hunt deer, and it ain't deer season. If that if he actually said that, that's absolutely great. That's and like most- Shipper Jones to a T. I know, dude. Like, Maybe he's second coming in Chipper. That's, that's a tall, that's a, some big shoes to fill, I should say. Obviously, Chipper was one of the best third baseman of all time. But, hey, Riley's off to a great, great start to his career. Maybe he'd be the next third baseman that Atlanta falls in love with, not that they already haven't already. All right, over to some more prospects here. We had four notable promotions over the last week or so. None to the major league level, but still four very intriguing names here. Taj Bradley. Up to Triple A, Ricky Tiedemann to Double A. Hopefully, I can see his Double A debut this week at home. I don't know when it's going to be. They still haven't said that, but I'm keeping an eye out. So hopefully, I can get that look in. Jackson Cherio went from Low A to High A, and Gabriel Gonzalez, or as like apparently they call him Gabby Gonzalez, according to the uh, post. I don't know. I didn't see that, but Gabriel Gabby, whatever. Uh, he's up to Low A from complex level. These are all top 100 guys. Bradley's my number four pitching prospect now behind Girod, Espino, and Yuri, and I think he could overtake Yuri soon. I think he's that good. Tiedemann's a top 50 prospect for me. I think my number seven or eight pitching prospects numbers in that range. Churio's top 20. We talked about him last episode. And then Gabriel Gonzalez snuck into my top 100 there. So, Chris, I'll just throw it over to you. What are your you – you have any uh, thoughts on any of these four guys right now? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly encouraging to see. Um, just missed seeing Taj Bradley when they were – down here when Durham was down in Gwinnett, which sucked. He obviously came up after um, the minor league uh, all-stars game, futures game. But uh, yeah, he's a stud. I think he's a easy top five pitching prospect. Tiedemann as well. It's encouraging to see him kind of flying through the system at that. But 
Yeah, he's handled the promotions well so far. And I think this will be a good test to see where he really is with him at double A. Uh, Churio, our buddy Max, just got a look at him uh, last night. He had a home run in his first at bat. Um, good report there. Obviously, Churio is legit. We, we've we known that. But uh, it, it's always nice to talk to people when they see him live. And, and no one's had a negative report about him. And Gonzalez, man, he was you know really good last year, kind of popped off. And you know, everybody wondered, like, what could he be? And so he obviously started out the year hot at the complex and he got a well-deserved promotion. So, you know, it'll be fun to see him in, in low a ball and, and see what he can do. Yeah. So I just realized that, uh, so Durham triple a team for Tampa Bay, where Taj Bradley currently is they're in Worcester, uh, this upcoming week. <laughs> so do I make the drive down to see his start? That's about two and a half out two forty for me. I got to figure out what, so he just went, on 30th which is saturday so means he'll probably go i think friday i might make that trip down hmm. it's a six six forty five game on a yeah. friday i could make it do i do it chris yeah do i make a two and a half hour trip to see Taj bradley you should <laughs> i think i think i'm going to i think there's too much to pass up i just, i was looking like oh i wonder when the if they're coming to worcester in the month of august sure enough this upcoming week tuesday through sunday they got six games in worcester so yeah, maybe I'll go get some uh, Taj Bradley live because hopefully it's not on the same day as Tiedemann's double-A debut. That would be a very hard decision for me, <laughs> but we'll see how that shakes out. Uh, but yeah, four obviously very intriguing prospects, as I mentioned. Like I mentioned where they are in my prospect rankings. Gonzalez, you see every year is like that big breakout on the Seattle organization. Arroyo is one of them this year, but Gabriel Gonzalez could be top 50 pretty soon here. Nice little power speed blend, decent field to hit. Uh, a lot of tools there to, that you like from a breakout. Churio, obviously, is a studly. Tiedemann, studly. Bradley, studly. Okay, those are two of my top 10 pitching prospects in baseball. And the guys that I would encourage buying high odds, I think their value is going to continue to go up uh, with those two. Same with Churio. All four of these guys are just strong buys, even if the price tag is high for them, respectively. Definitely you know, would go and get all four of those in Dynasty. All right, let's go over to some prospect standouts here over the last, you know, 10 days or so. Sort of the hitting set of things. We got two catchers to start off here. Andy Rodriguez from the Pittsburgh Pirates and Yaner Diaz from the Houston Astros. And Chris, there's a lot of catching talent right down in the minor leagues. But these guys, I think, continue to fly under the radar. They just continue to rake month after month. Look at their stats here. Yiner Diaz, 378 point appearances, slashing 300, 347, 524 on the year, 16 doubles, 18 home runs, in a only a 15.9% strikeout rate, seven uh 6.9% walk rate. And then Andy Rodriguez and 350 point appearances down in, in high A, 297, 389, 537, 21 doubles, 15 home runs, 11.4% walk rate. 21.4% strikeout rate. Like I said, I think they're still very undervalued given all the, the bigger names that are excelling, you know, that people talk about more. So both these guys are really, really good buys right now in Dynasty Leagues, in my opinion. Yeah, and Indy might be the hottest prospect pad over the last month. I mean, since July 1st, he's got a slash of 384, 489, 795, eight home runs over that span. Just ridiculously good. His bat does fly under the radar a good bit, I think. And you know, he's one that I, I really liked before the season. 
and he kind of struggled off the bat and it just didn't really perform. And so I had questions. You know, he's interesting. He's going to play all over the diamond. I mean, he's caught this year. He's played some second base this year. He's played first base, DH. He's done a little bit of everything. And he played a little bit. Oh, yeah, he's played some left field as well. So, you know, he's so versatile too, which helps. I don't know if he sticks at catcher long term, but um, love the bat. And Yanir Diaz is also another, I think, that's just highly underrated. And the Astros really have a, a hole at catcher. Now, they could go get Wilson Contreras. Wouldn't surprise me, but Diaz has been raking at AAA since they called him up. He has nine home runs and 111 plate appearances, hitting for good average. I know he's, the average is down a bit in AAA from what it was in AA, but still, it's a really good field to hit here in Diaz profile. So it would be interesting to see if he got a shot. Like If, if they don't trade for a catcher, I could see him getting a chance to play this year, so that could be fun. Yeah, absolutely. I love both these guys. I said the very sneaky ads right now. So they don't get nearly as much love as they should. Next name on the list here, Brett Beatty, who Chris and I saw last November in the Arizona Fall League. Both were very impressed by him, but you know, the key rate it was still pretty high. A lot of swing and miss in this game. This year overall, having a very good year at double A, kind of going under the radar. 304, 397, 522 slash line, 20 doubles, 16 home runs. 11.4% walk rate and a 26.4% strikeout rate. And then over the last 30 days, 365, 435, 688, seven doubles, eight home runs, and only a 22.2% strikeout rate. So it's coming down a little bit here. Have your thoughts on Beatty changed you know, from when we saw him out in the AFL to now, Chris? Or do you still think he's going to be kind of a, kind of what we thought he was back then? Yeah, it hasn't changed too bit. I, I do like his feel to hit. He is hitting the ball on the ground less, which is encouraging. That was kind of the biggest hindrance was his ground ball rate, and that was always what held him back. Hit the ball hard, but also just hit it on the ground too much. And that, I think, is we've seen that flip a bit this year, which is a huge encouragement. And you know the strikeout rate has gone down. It's gone down as the season's progressed. And I don't know. I think we're looking at a more complete profile. He's got good power. That's undeniable. He's got to lift the ball more, and he's doing that. So, if that sticks, he can get to that power that we've seen. And, you know, I think he can be a serviceable bat and a, a relevant fantasy bat at that. Yeah, I'm kind of there with you. I think he's like a 270, 275 type hitter with about 20 home runs. But a guy that could probably slot in, he just screams number five hitter for me. So a guy that can get a good amount of RBI. I think that Mets lineups to be pretty good for the next, you know, for, for the foreseeable future. So he could be a very, a very solid four category fantasy producer that probably always flies under the radar to a degree moving over to the American league East here in Toronto. Now, I've been very vocal about, you know, Aurelis Martinez, obviously the power is, you know, double plus it's elite potential 30 homer bat, but everything else is a kind of a concern with me. You know, the K rate, the swing and the swing and miss Hennessy's he's overly aggressive. You know, I've made all that known both on, you know, in articles and on Twitter and whatnot. Chris, I want to get your take. Where are you at on Arolvis? I see you have him you know, obviously higher than I do. I'm probably one of the lower people in the industry on Arolvis. I don't have him top 100 anymore because I wonder if he ever hits enough. Even like, He has a little hot streak recently, but still over the last month, he's still only hitting 195. For the season, he's hitting 213 with a K rate near 30%, not a high walk rate at all. I just, I've just i seen him live a lot of times, and I'm just very concerned that he ever hits enough to be a solid major league bat. I've talked to others that share that similar concern. They just aren't quite as vocal about it as I am. 
What are your thoughts on Aurelvis here? Are you not quite as concerned as I am? Well, I think that there's no denying that he's got big power, but you know what kind of average does he hit for? And that's the tough thing. He also doesn't walk at a high clip, so that's concerning. The strikeout rate's kind of ballooned over his career as he's progressed through the minors. And even last year when he moved to high, he hit 214. And so far in AA this year, he's hitting 213. You know, exactly the same OBPs at 282. Obviously, the slug being high, which is encouraging because he's got power, but it doesn't matter if he can't hit. I mean, if you're striking out and not making contact, it's it's all irrelevant. And so that's what I'm afraid is going to happen with with him. He's just not going to hit enough to be fantasy relevant. Yeah, that's exactly my concern. And yeah, he's still young. I think it was only 20, 21 for the level. So he's still young, so it can get those issues corrected, but... Like I said, it's just gotten worse as he's climbed the, the ladder. So I don't know. That I think that power is going to go to waste. I'm just worried about that. And then with Grosh, like the Groshans too, he's dropped way out of my top. I think he's like top 250-something for me now. I just don't see it with him either. Um, so both those guys moving down my rankings here. A few more names or two more hitters here. Sticking in the American League East, Kyle Manzardo, I think, Needs to get some top 100 love. I almost put him top 100 this past update. Probably should have, but on the year, 321, 421, uh, 623, 15 doubles, 16 home runs, 15.1% walk rate, 17.4% strikeout rate. This is in 259 at-bats in high A. He's basically doing what he did in college, where he was a high average, solid power, great approach guy, and he's done exactly that in the minor league. So, I think it's time that he gets some top 100 love. I think he's got a little little Vinny Pasquantino in him. I'm not saying he's just going to be as good as Vinny, but I think there's some similarities in the profile. Yeah, I think he's a dude. He's just highly underrated. Saw him a couple times when uh, Bowling Green was down here in Greenville. He's flat out hit. He makes good contact. He walks at a high clip. He doesn't strike out. Got big power. He lifts the ball well. I think it's people under, undersell his power, but the power's certainly there. He, you know, as I mentioned, he had plenty of line drives and fly balls. No denying his, his field hit. I think he's certainly a top 100 prospect, and you know, for OBP leagues, he he boosts even higher. So I think I pushed him near the 60 range. In my latest update. I just really think Mansardo's legit. He's you know very impressive when you watch him. Just controls his own well. I think he's due for a promotion to Double A soon. Absolutely, yeah. I've, I'm. Fully aware, I didn't go quite high enough on him. He, assuming he doesn't go into a massive slump here over the next uh, month or so, he'll be much higher in my next update. Last hitter on the list here, former Brave, newest Kansas City Royal, Drew Waters has been on an absolute tear since the trade in 14 games for AAA Omaha, slashing 346, 446, 655, eight extra base hits, four home runs, and nine steals, 10 walks to 19 strikeouts in 65 plate appearances. Obviously, Chris, he's, you know, he struggled for a bit last year. In 11 home runs, 28 steals, that's nice, but 240, 329, 381. He's always had the the issues, you know, the platoon issues there. Do you think that maybe he just needed the, a fresh start in a new org to get, you know, get his career back on track? Do you still think there's some fantasy value to be had with Drew Waters, or are you kind of still out on him? It's really tough with him. I don't know. I mean, still striking out 30% of the time in Kansas City. You wonder if Omaha's just been a boost to some power for him. Like, that's a great 
hitters park. So I have to wonder about that to an extent, but a fresh start always can be good. And, you know, he was kind of the odd man out for several years in Atlanta and maybe you just need a fresh start. Who knows what the Royals do with them? Cause you know, they've got a log jam of outfielders themselves and they don't play the ones they've got now. So I don't know, but uh, I will be intrigued to see, you know, what happens there. He is running wild nine stolen bases already yeah. since his trade, which is crazy, but four home runs too. That's good power to get to for him. You think he gets a shot this year? Because obviously, you know, they traded the way Benny to the Yankees, uh, which we haven't even talked about, but I think that's a good value boost there for, for Benny as well. Obviously, you know, that lefty in Yankee Stadium, you know, works out for really anybody besides Joey Gallo because he just can't hit anywhere apparently anymore. But I think that's a nice little boost for, for Benny as well. But with him out of town, they still kind of have a lot of like outfielders that are kind of similar range, like some guys that have some intrigue, but a lot of you know holes in their game. Uh, you know, guys like Kyle Isbell and Edward Olivares, now Drew Waters in that mix as well. Do you think he gets a shot this year, Chris? I think he does debut. I'm not sure to what extent he gets a shot, but I do think that he does debut and gets a shot at the big league level this year. The playing time just might be inconsistent, and that's kind of to be expected. He may be a platoon bat, but uh, you know, that would be okay if he's performing so i don't know i'm i'm intrigued but like you said they they just kind of struggle to give their own people at bats <laughs> right still still a log jam there without benintendi all right we got a trio of pitchers here you know we have dl hall bobby miller and freddie tarnak i'll start with, with dl hall here chris because obviously you know, i've said many times that i think he's a top five pitching prospect in baseball if you just took out the command and control issues obviously you can't take that out. that'd be awesome you just like Take that out, put some better command control in, but that's not how it works. But over the last month, a little bit better. You know, 322 ERA, 107 whip. That's kind of what he's been doing all year. Eight walks in 22 in a third innings. That's a bit better. That's that's much better, actually, than what he has been doing. And still 43 strikeouts in those 22 in a third innings. So nearly two strikeouts per inning. Where are you at? With DL Hall, he said, I struggle to rank him every time. I want to go higher because the elite stuff and the upsides and ceiling, it's all incredibly high. But then that, that command and control just has not gotten better. It's actually gotten worse in some regards. That walk rate has been like 13 14% pretty consistently throughout his career, which obviously, as we know, doesn't really play as a starter long-term. So I don't know. Where are you at? Are you are you buying DL Hall right now? Are you selling? What are, what are your thoughts? Well, I think he was actually on track to debut if it wasn't for his last start. I mean, his last start, he allowed six earned and two home runs over two-thirds of an inning, which was brutal. And you mentioned he had been really good in the month of July, which was kind of pushing him to be on track for a debut, I thought. But who knows with him? I mean, there's so much volatility with the command, and he had improved the walk rate this month. He didn't He didn't walk anybody in that out and he faced eight batters and allowed six earned runs but he didn't walk anybody which was positive <laughs> silver lining i guess yeah right <laughs> so i don't know the stuff is undeniably good the stuff is him being a top five pitching prospect in my opinion but the durability is a concern the command's a concern he's never pitched more than 100 innings in a season in his career he may eclipse that this year he's right now between High A, double A, triple A. He's at 68. So I'll be interested to see. Um, talented, but you know, has to hone in the command a bit. So we'll see if he can do it. Yeah, it's it's been it's been a long time and he hasn't really done it yet. So I'm I'm I wanna believe in DL Hall because he's just so damn nasty when he's on, but 
I still have my reservations. Uh, next name, Bobby Miller, who's had kind of a, a meh season at double A here this year. 23 years old, 436 ERA, 121 whip. But still striking out a lot of guys, 95 strikeouts in just 76 in the third innings. Then over the last month, he's done a lot better in 19 and two-thirds innings, 275 ERA, 102 whip, 32 strikeouts to seven walks. Kind of, I feel like the perception of Miller has gone down a little bit because of his lackluster showing. He hasn't been bad, but just kind of, like I said, middle of the road, not great. Walks are up a little bit, but those have come down of late. Do you think it's a good time to buy low on Bobby Miller right now, Chris? I think I think it is. I, I still like him a little more than, than Stone. It's gotten a lot closer than I ever thought it would be, but I still like him a little more than Stone. I think it's a good time to buy low. I think he's actually a prime trade candidate. I think he's going to be moved at the deadline. I do too, I, actually. I just I have a hard time believing the Dodgers just sit there and do nothing. I mean, they're a good team, obviously, but if they want to make a push, I think they're going to make a trade. And even if it's not for Soto, I could see Bobby Miller being on the move. I think it is a decent time to buy in Dynasty Leagues. The strikeouts are there. The walk rate is fine. He's getting plenty of swing and miss. His FIP is a full run lower than his ERA. So all those are pretty encouraging signs to me. And I don't know. High ground ball rate, strikeout rate, it's a good combo. And we've seen the stuff live. I mean, the fastball's really good. The slider's really good. Mix in the changeup as well. I think Miller's a really good arm who, if people look at the surface stats, you could get cheaper in a dynasty league. Yeah, I I agree. I think they're I think they're getting Soto. I it's you know they just whoever they want to get they just seem to get. Yeah. That, that's be my. I think it's going to be down to what I've seen. I'm seeing a lot of Dodgers, Padres, and Cardinals, and this recent track record of they just get everybody. I'm leaning to them getting Soto. I could see them doing something like Miller, Lux. You know, throwing like a couple more top guys like Michael Bush, Andy Pajes, maybe even uh, Gavin Stone. This a huge haul. They would still have a pretty damn good system even without those guys. That's, that's what happens when you develop well and have the money to go out and trade for and buy all these players that they have. So that's my guess. I'm guessing he's going to the Dodgers, which would just be insane to add him to that lineup, even if they give up a couple guys out of their lineup to get him, which they'll have to do. But they, they have the resources and the money, so they're a great fit there. Last here, Freddie Tarnock. Obviously, he's not nearly as highly thought of as Miller or D.L. Hall, but he's pitching very well here over the last month. Um, let me see if I can pull up his stats again here. Uh, my computer, there I go. 27 and two-thirds innings last month. 228 ERA, 0.80 whip, 36 Ks to only eight walks in 27 and two-thirds innings. You know, with him being in your Atlanta Braves org here, Chris, do you see any future value for, for Freddie Tarnock, or do you think he's just more of like those one of the org depth guys at this point? I mean, I just believe in the Braves' ability to develop pitchers, and they just keep doing it. And, yeah, I'm not surprised if he is legit. How does he fit in? I'm not certain. I think Tarnock is more of the kind of some of the parts type pitcher. Like, he doesn't have – a particular you know, pitch that really blows you away, in my opinion. I think he's got a good fastball, and the secondaries are good, but not uh, elite. But he's performed. He, I mean, he's certainly been good, and it's hard to argue against the results. 
I mean, double A was, was okay. I mean, he dominated double A last year, actually in double A this year was okay, but he's been really, really good in triple A so far. And I don't know. I just really think that I trust their ability to develop and, he was uh, a shortstop in high school, so he hasn't really been pitching that long. He did pitch, but you know, really focusing on pitching, he really reworked his delivery last year, and it really paid off for him. He added the velo. I think that there's stuff there to make him a solid SP, but I do think the secondaries probably need some work. Yeah, that's totally fair. And you've seen his K rate jump a ton, you know, pre pandemic, post pandemic, meaning the 2020 loss season. He had a 32% K rate since then uh, in about 152 innings or so. He has 200, and uh, yeah, 202 strikeouts in his last 631 batters face for that 33% mark. So he's up to AAA now, three, three starts there, 270 ERA, looking pretty good, 18 strikeouts. 24 walk. So I don't know if you see him this year. I think there's a lot of names ahead of him, but maybe he can slot into that rotation next year. That's, you know, that's definitely a possibility. But, all right. I think that's going to wrap up the show. Good way to end it with Freddie Tarnock, I guess. Uh, thank you all the listeners for tuning in again this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. You can follow us on Twitter. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I'm at Eric Cross04. And our show's at Fantrex Tool Shed. Check out all of our written work at Fantrex HQ, Fantasy Pros, or over on our Patreon, of course. And join us again next time for more fantasy baseball talk. But until then, everyone take care.